0: Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church.
1: So let me recap. I think there's a slide uh, from—it's got like three sentences on it, right? So let me just recap some of this. Uh, As we've been working through 1 Peter and 2 Peter, God has lined this up, and what I've seen is this is kind of us as a church going, hey, this is how we should act. So over this past year, the first year of our life, God is saying, hey, this is my word, and we should be doing this. And so this is what we want to call each other. And so I just want to recap kind of where we've been. Jesus' death and resurrection bought us, right? He bought us out of sin and death. And the Spirit is at work making you more like Him, making me more like Him. The work of the Holy Spirit should be and will be evident in your life, okay? If you ever need a processing moment and go, okay, when is the last time I listened to the Holy Spirit? And if you're not sure how to listen to the Holy Spirit, let's talk. I'd happy to sit down the conversation because the opportunity to listen to the Holy Spirit requires going, okay, I need to pause for a second sometimes and listen, and then actually have the strength or conviction to go and do and be obedient with what the Holy Spirit's saying. Okay? And then three, we follow the Bible and must test all things against that. Okay. I would rather you not say ever Jer said this. I would rather you worry about what scripture says and how that should point you in your life. Okay. I want you to test everything you hear from me off of scripture. And I want you to engage your Bible. If you're ever not sure what to bring to church, whoever is in your house, bring them your Bible and your journal and a pen. That's all you need right? And so the press is going, the more that we interact with our word, that's what God has put in front of you, the more that God can work in us, okay? All right. So, if you have a Bible, the title of that section of Scripture would say something like false prophets, something like that. And I want you to take a second, and I want you to take a mental note, and just think for a second, What if you were to like think of a false prophet, if you were to just think of anything of what that might be, what, just make a mental picture in your head. Just go ahead and make the mental picture. What does it look like? Right? Might be like the word might be like ugh, like not trustworthy. I instantly go like I'm not sure, right? They might look like, oh, can I trust this person? Maybe they have greased hair like I do. Uh, Maybe they're a smooth talker. I am not that person, but I pretend to be on TV. Like what that? I want you to hear. In general, false prophets would look just like you and me. They don't show up with a sign that says, I'm going to tell you a lie. That would be so much better in life, right? If a person was wearing your sign and just going, ah, this is the truth of what this is going to be. Oh, I don't have to listen to you because you're going to lie to me for the next 10 minutes, right? I don't know how I'd interact with my kids. Anyway, all right. So what I want to do is I want to take you a little bit backwards. We're going to go backwards to 2005, and I want you to introduce you to 2005 Jeremiah. Okay, so I'm fresh out of uh, Bible college, which you come out thinking you know everything and you actually don't know anything. And I had about two years ago dyed my hair real blonde. You know how that was cool for a little bit. It was awful. Uh... And then from there, I think right about August, we got married. I thought I knew everything about marriage. I had that under control, no problem. And then I was under or quickly aware of how many things in life I don't know. I got a job. I worked in a dirty warehouse. I had to fire two people in the first couple months of the job. And somebody introduced me to a pastor who was incredible. He was out of Seattle, and he was the most engaging pastor I had ever heard in my entire life. And he spoke in a way that spoke right to me. I am a natural person that would appreciate uh, preaching that speaks hard on conviction, right? I am that person. If I'm looking for a pastor, that's the kind I'm looking for. And I— It would be a preference, let me just be clear, but that's kind of what it is. But he was, man, he was hammering down. And he'd bring the fire and he would tell people, he's like, this is the way it's supposed to be. And he said, this is how men should act. And this is what we should do. And this is the way. And I was like, oh my word. And what it spoke to, what I realized after the fact, was I was just a young boy in a whole lot of responsibility, fearful because I had no dad, And I was looking for someone to speak truth. And so I gravitated. I listened to all his messages and most of them were like incredible. And they were just, oh my word, this is so engaging. And then the longer it went, the more that I go, well, something's not right. I love this guy. Look at what he's doing. Look what's happening out there. Don't you know how bad Seattle is, God? What, What? like, it, do you know? Like, God, this could be it. This could be the turn. I wanted him to be the guy so bad. I wanted it. I wanted it because it spoke something to me. And I think as you heard later on, if you've ever listened to some of the podcasts that came out about him, he spoke to so many young men who had no one to tell them truth. But what he did is then took that truth and applied it to him and not Jesus. And so if you hear nothing today, I want you to understand is I will continually say this, I am not the answer Jesus is. 717 is not the hope of the world. Jesus is. We are a part of the body of Christ. We want to engage. We want to work through Scripture together. We want to build relationship. We want to know what hurts and what we can celebrate together. But we have to recognize the hope of all things is Jesus and His Spirit moving in us and changing us to be more like Him. And we worship the King even more. But I was wanting it to be Him so bad that I was willing to look past His flaws. I was willing to ignore checks that I had internally. And this can happen so easy when we're willing to put less faith in who God is and more we're willing to trust a man. Right? See, it's easier to trust a human being because you can see them, you can hold them. I mean, that's kind of weird, but you can be near them, you can engage them, you can ask questions of them. Even if they give you somewhat not great answers, you can still engage them. So it's easier to trust sometimes a person than it is God. We even see what we could be. And this is why, if you want to write these verses down, Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 21, this is why this is so important in Scripture, because we actually get to see Peter get confronted by Paul. Peter showed up on a scene, was hanging out with everybody, right? He was not holding back. He was with everybody. He was doing all of that kind of stuff. And then some of his Jewish friends came around and he said, oh, I'm not hanging out with them anymore. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not how that goes, right? The reason that's important is because we have to understand that our hope is not in a person, it's in Jesus. And all of this, when we talk about false prophets, is a complicated question that exists in this because I have to ask the question internally I have to ask the question internally about why I trust the person and what's the issue with the person. So listen, this is what I want to get to. When we hear about false prophets, a lot of times we have this idea that they look a certain way that there's these shady characters and what they are is people who take truth and then shift it slightly to their own advantage. Okay. But what that does is, We actually like that thing, whatever they're selling, the truth and whatever they're shifting means something to us for a reason, right? Oh, look what they're doing. Look what they're accomplishing. Look how this is going. All of that kind of stuff. And so we easily get sideways, both because of the truth that they're spelling, they take a little bit of truth, and because whatever they're going, whatever direction they're going means something to us for some reason. See what I mean? It appeals to both of us. It fires us up, okay? This is why we know it needs to know our Bible and to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have to be in our Bible to understand truth and to be able to stay on truth. Because when somebody gets sideways, I am going to get sideways. And so we want to create a culture that says, Jer, let's talk about this. We recorrect and we go back to truth. But what happens often is we get sideways and we go, oh, he's all right. We like him a lot. He's a nice fellow. We can pat him on the head, right? But when we know our Bible, we listen to the Spirit, we can say, okay, God, there's something here and we have to ask that question. This is more complicated by the fact we have so many options for churches that can actually fill our preferences. So instead of actually dealing with an issue... Instead of listening to the Bible and the Holy Spirit moving in us to say, hey, go have a conversation, we go, actually, I can go over here and probably get most of what I need over there. So we never actually become the body. We never work together to fix things, and we allow truth that was spoken to be manipulated, and off we go. Right? Okay. You're like, Jared, that's a lot already. Let's pause for a second. But I have to remind ourselves, you and I are called to test something to be true. We have to test something to be true. That's why God gave us his word, is going, no matter what, you have to test this against God's word to know that this is true. You always want to follow God's word, always. Not what Jerry says, I want you to follow God's word. there must be a standard, there must be something we hold to. And this is why we ask, bring your Bible, bring it to engage with, bring it to write in, bring it to figure out, write notes about something. This is why we as a church are not having a program. Instead, we're saying, we want you to grow in your ability to read God's word, understand it and apply it. If you come here only to hear Sunday morning Anytime, anywhere, if you only come to Sunday morning and only look for that, then we never grow. We become filler uppers. We go get gas at a gas station. Right? I want you to be able to critique me. I want you to speak truth. I want us to walk towards Jesus together and going, this is what he's calling us to. Okay? Now, We finished 1 Peter a couple months ago, but 1 Peter 3.15, and I'm going to read a couple of the verses for you because I think it's important. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? That's verse 13. Verse 14, "But "...but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy." always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. The reason I put that, and I want to encourage this is going, this is what every single one of us, as we walk through our journey with faith, should be able to go, this is what Christ has done for me. He forgave my sins. But with that, then get to see the outworking of what he has done for us, right? That's how we want to live, okay? All right. So we want to test something to be true. We must be ready to give an account. And I want to remind us, false prophets are people and can be situations. Let me tell you what I mean. Most lies are not broadly broadcasted. Instead, they hide under a principle that is palatable. Most lies, right, if we look at anything on the news, most lies are not broadly broadcasted. It's on the news, so I guess it's somewhat, right? But instead, it's connected to something that is palatable. Hey, this is wrong. Yes, this is wrong, but then we're going to go this way. Okay? The recipe for most lies is a portion of truth, a bit of distraction, and a lot of wrong after that. If you think about any time you've been duped, no one likes to think that, right? But if you think about any time you've been lied to, there's at least a portion of truth that you believed. There was a little bit of a distraction, like an issue, a drama or something like that. And then a lot of wrong as we went off, right? That's the concept. That's what we're after, right? A portion of truth, a bit of distraction, a lot of wrong after that. And then we as people, here's what we do. Somebody just told us a lie, and then we connect it by this. We use broad strokes of death, pain, fear, or maybe something super positive. I get something out of this health, wealth, happiness, whatever I'm looking for desperately that I don't have right now, I attach myself to the lie. Does it make sense? Okay recipe of truth. I lied to you, but I told you a little bit of truth. You naturally go, oh my word, if I follow that, I might actually not have this or this or this anymore. I'm going through this, right? I'm struggling with this. And this person showed up at the right time. It must be God. Ever done that? Somebody crazy, without a doubt, if you were ever in any kind of dating scene in high school, somehow this knucklehead showed up at this girl's door or met her in school. And she's like, oh my word, he gave it the perfect time. He's the right one. And everybody else is like, uh-huh. But we do this over and over and over again. Oh, it must be God. God put them there. Do you know how many times we use the God card for something? As a youth pastor, it was so much fun hearing every time somebody broke up with somebody. God told me to. Really? That's what they said many times. The God card was used for a lot of things. I wish as many people prayed as they did use the God card, but we'll trust that God's at work. Um, Ever see a situation where we wanted to believe the person for the outcome that we hoped was going to happen more than we should have? Politics is based off of this. Oh, we're going to believe and hope for what's the possibility more than we actually probably should trust them. So in this section of scripture, the false prophets, Paul reminds us, or I'm sorry, Peter reminds us, they're going to be among you. Right? First section of the verse, he says, hey, they're going to be among you. And in this portion of scripture, what they did is some false, some people showed up, they carried the name, they used the name of Jesus, but then they even got to the point where they started actually telling them that Jesus wasn't even real. And then they appealed to all kinds of brokenness after that. You say, well, I wouldn't do that. I've got this. I wouldn't do that but it's amazing what happens when we're in moments of pain or we're all kinds of filled with fear or we're willing to do all kinds of things to be happy. And it's amazing what we'll do and disappear too, even though we know the truth. Say, Jay, this is really encouraging today. And I said, I'm amazed at how many things in my life I believed even though I know scripture. I was desperate for something. And instead of turning to the Savior, I turned to what I can control, what I can manufacture, what can make me feel. Because the lies appeal to something in us. And this is why it's so interesting, the false prophets, you, Peter mentioned sensuality and greed. Our sin makes us feel something. Let's not be lying to ourselves, right? Our sin in general, for at least a portion of time, makes us feel something. And so more, <laughs> the more I get of something, the more I can keep filling, right? We know this concept. It doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I just need to do a little bit. You know you're going to have to keep backfilling. There's something broken in me. There's something that hurts. There's some pain, and I am going to just go, I'm going to keep filling, And I have to put more and more and more and more. And this is why Genesis, nothing has changed since Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve's fall. If you ever want to know how Satan's going to attack you, read Genesis chapter 3. And he basically takes God's words, shifts it slightly, and makes Eve the most important thing. Right? Says, you'll be fine. Don't worry. God doesn't want you to know this. You'll be as good as him. As much as we don't know it, our sin is actually more about us trying to be like God than we are actually just trying to make ourselves feel better. So that you hear in Satan's chapter, he says, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So then when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was delight to her eyes. Good for food, delight for eyes. The tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took it and ate it. It's the truth of all of us. And you say, Jared, well, what does that have to do with the false prophet? What it does is I actually, if I don't constantly keep myself centered on who God is and what he's doing, I constantly open myself up to be open for lies. one of the things that I was processing from that pastor that I cared about so much, and I listened to so often, almost every time you hear about an organization failing, you hear the leadership say, oh, there was so much good that was happening. And so we're willing to sacrifice truth for what we're trying to accomplish. And so our hope this morning is going, okay, so in all of that, how do we do this? So verse three, one thing I want to remind us of is God is just and we are not. God is just and we are not. We see the justice of who God is. And, and here's the truth of the matter is, do you actually trust him? Do I actually trust him to bring justice to the situations in front of me? You see, I'm in, Jare, I'm in pain. Jar, I'm struggling. I'm suffering. Jer, I'm, I'm working through this thing. Jer, you don't, under, there's these, all these things going. The question is, do you trust him to be just in the situation in front of you? So if you want to just pause a second, I encourage you, just think about the situations in front of you, the situations you're facing. Do you trust him to be just? Do you trust him to handle it? This doesn't mean we don't do anything. But if you're like me, you often debate his goodness instead of the obedience he's asking you to do. Right? Instead of doing what he asked me to do, instead of being obedient, I debate, God, are you good? Are you really sure? Like, God, God, don't you know? Like, you can fix this situation at any time. I can fix this if I just go get this. So I ask you, where Do you see His justice? And two, I think you have to pair that with God is holy. God is right. He is pure. He knows all things. He's at work in all situations. God works for His glory and to bring truth constantly. And that's what we get to see because the angels... Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, the stories that they start to lay out, right? The angels, those that saw him, the angels saw him, and they know spiritual warfare exists, and yet angels still chose to go opposite of him. Noah, right? All the creation, all what was made, he saw all of those things. Sodom and Gomorrah, utter evil that existed, and that the weight that it carried on Lot. Do you trust his holiness? And so as we close, I want to kind of just pause and go, the Lord knows all things. Right? If how might that change? how you process life if the Lord knows all things. Because if you're like me, a situation pops up in life, things I can't control, and then I immediately start to set about fixing it. I'm I'm ready to go. I've, I've got four different options, and I'm ready to work through them. And the question would be, if I pause and go, God, you know this. I've got to trust you. So I ask this question because why do we need to spend time in a portion of Scripture talking about false prophets? And the truth of Scripture is this, and this is what I always want you to hear. We are broken people that a perfect and holy God sent His Son to die for, both for His glory and our redemption. That's what it's about. The truth of Scripture is, We are broken people that are perfect or that a perfect and holy God sent his son for, for his glory and our redemption. Number one, the truth of scripture. Number two, we must always be on watch. That's why I invite you to talk about scripture. I invite you to ask me questions. I invite us to ask questions of leadership. I invite that in. And this is what we should be doing. Okay, God, this is your word then how does it change my day-to-day life? Truth is always truth, but we must always allow for our space in our lives to seek it. Busy people have little time to stand for truth. We have an even less time to walk out truth with those around us. Let me say that again. The reason we have to process this is truth is always truth. We must always allow for our space in our lives to seek it. Busy people have little time to stand for truth. We're willing to give so that we can keep moving. We're willing to give so that we can keep trying to function. And if we are who we're supposed to be in the body, the kingdom, we have even less time to walk out truth with those around us. We prefer the huge. We prefer the mass. We prefer the largest way to send truth because that way it's just scattershot. But to walk with somebody through truth takes work. So this is why we're structured the way we are. This is why we're going after what we're going is going, we have truth, we will take time to walk through it together. This means both the good and the hard. Because most of us actually don't want, we're scared to open up. We're scared to actually allow that. But what happens is, is when we're in that space, when we're scared, that's where false prophets live. And so as we, every week, we want to take time to process, okay, God, what do you want to do? And so I brought three questions up here. And here's what my hope is in this, is we're going to play a song. We'll give you kind of two or three minutes. The goal is going, okay, God, what do you want to do? And if you're like me, the first question alone was actually enough for me to punch somebody. Because I don't actually want to admit the areas where I believed in something false. Because that admits I'm not perfect, that admits my pride, all of those things. But there is truth in all in me in saying, just like I told you, I was willing to follow that person way past truth into what made me feel good. Number two, And this gets even more fun. What are the lies that appeal to us and why? So in my life, I'm pretty open about that. I had no dad. So father figures easily can speak things into my life. And if I don't process them through the truth of the word, then I can get sideways pretty quickly. Right? The question is for all of us, what are we trying to backfill? What are we trying to fill in instead of allowing the truth. Because if I can be on guard on the areas I know that I need Christ in, then I know Christ is working in them, not lies that are attached to a portion of truth. And last one, Jesus offers hope through the truth that he died for our sin. Who are the people we're praying for to experience that hope? Say, Jerry, I think I got those first two okay. I'm ready. But my question is then, okay, internally, good. Then how is the Spirit turning you towards people around you to speak hope into their life? And we believe as a church, uh, in, we're a part of the kingdom. And so every week we have a local church that we're praying for. And so uh, St. Paul's, E.C. in Rossville, they have a new pastor. Uh, their previous pastor, Ken Miller, was an incredible dude, loved the word. He retired. And Timothy King is their pastor. And so if you have, you're like, I'm not sure what to do is just take a moment and pray a blessing over their church. Encourage them that they have an incredible ministry in their area, where they're at, and what they're doing as we celebrate what God's doing in the kingdom. Okay? So we're going to play a song, give you a couple minutes to say, pray, and walk through this, and then I'll close in prayer, and we'll give you a couple steps to take. One of the things that God, I feel like, laid on my heart was just this reminder. It said, um, we are ripe for false prophets— when our eyes are on ourselves and not on the truth of the gospel. And so my hope is, man, if you've never had that opportunity to talk through and, and just say, what does it actually look like to trust Jesus with my life? I love that conversation. I'd love the honor to have that with you and spend time just talking about it and say, okay, God, what do you want to do? And so maybe it's for the first time, which is going, God, for the very first time, I want to trust you with my life or maybe this is a very specific area that I need to trust you with been doing this faith thing for a while. I'm willing. I want to have that conversation. I'd love to have either of those with you today. And if you want, it sounds kind of crazy, but we're actually going to spend the next time we're together as a gather, uh, kind of working through this. What is the application of false prophets? Why? It's a whole chapter in scripture. And why does this matter? So I'm excited to walk through that together. But last, I want to tell you, uh, we want to be invested in the community. And so uh, two weeks ago, maybe uh, almost three weeks ago now, you heard about the opportunity through the Warwick Community Chest uh, is to basically take a meal to someone in the community. This family's been connected through the Warwick Community Chest, and we get the opportunity to bring them a Christmas meal. And so if you're interested, either as a family or a group or anything, today is the last day to sign up for that. Uh, You can go right over there there's a sign-up sheet, you can see Shauna or myself. And all it simply is, is it's a connection in the community. Maybe it's an incredible moment, maybe it's a moment of just blessing somebody, but the opportunity exists in front of us to invest in our community locally as we continue to grow what God has for us. And so hopefully, if you're interested in that, let us know, we'd love to take a step together. So I'm gonna pray. Uh, the, always the encouragement is don't rush out, hang out together, uh, spend some time uh, hanging out, and we'll bring the kiddos back and then it'll get even more fun and uh, it'll be a great time together. So let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing. And Father, help us. Father, uh, nobody wants to be duped. And yet, Father, I'm honest in saying there are so many things in my life I put a lot of my faith in that have nothing to do with you. And so, Father, uh, help me to see what the actual hole is that you're trying to fill. And so, Father, help us then to see the ways that we're trying to fill it. And may we trust you a little bit more today because knowing that there's always truth and hope in you, there's always light, and that you're working to bring us back to yourself all the time. So, Father, we love you. We need you. And as we go out this week, Father, may we, as that last question asked, may we find people or remind ourselves of who we're praying for to be that hope to speak of the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray a blessing over our weeks, our so work and play and all the things that we're going to do. And may we point to you in all those things. In your name, amen. We love you. We're glad you're here today. Thanks for being a part of it. And uh, thanks for hanging out. Have a great Sunday.
0: Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.